everybody welcome to the 274th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling live and direct from uh beaverton oregon and we are here to talk about a very tumultuous week in rip city history because uh there's you never know, we, a dull moment we we've we've broadcasted four separate times this week but you know, it was a. It, this is like the culmination of all of the decisions and all of the, the stuff that you see on screen. So, um, yeah, this is this is gonna be a special. So one. If, if this is your like third or fourth helping of the Holy Backboard podcast, I love you. This week, I love you. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for not being sick and tired of our voices. Uh, this is, I think, the one of the best times times of the year. I was thinking about this. I think trade deadline week is like a top five day slash week of the year. It's, a, it's something I look forward to, but I don't know if it's oh, top five. Oh yeah. So I, I, when I was thinking of like times I look forward to trade deadline, NBA draft, you have that first four day weekend in March madness, that Thursday through Sunday, which is incredible basketball. Uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving, obviously. Oh, birthday. <clears throat> we always do. I mean, okay, I, okay. I, was, always, like, I, you know, I, I mean, this, this is being recorded and broadcasted. I thought you might want to say that, but. I mean, I'm just like, birthdays are cool, but like, we can do stuff like any, any weekend. Like we can make it. Yes. Birth family and birth, friends, birthdays. Yes. But I'm talking about just like days that maybe other people wouldn't look forward to. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, I really love, I think the spring t- springtime is great to look forward to, to things. Um, and the trade deadline day is like one of the best. Sometimes you get really active deadlines, sometimes not active at all, but it just, there's something about it, especially I think in the pandemic, it gives me something to, to stay focused on, like think about trades. Uh, was it, you know, a good move, who could we move? Uh, how does it impact short-term, long-term just keeps the mind occupied. And I think that's what, what I appreciate about it. And I think everyone's looking for that, that hobby or, or that escape from, you know, reality that's just calming in, in a way. So even if you're super upset about the trade, at least you're thinking about basketball and not one of the million other horrific things that that are going on right now and so that's what we're here for we're here to even if it's you know talking about a shitty basketball team we're going to do it together and uh sage let's get into the week that was in the in rip city portland if you are pro tank it was a beautiful week the blazers go 0-4 including a pair of losses to the oklahoma city thunder it started on monday with a 17 point defeat to uh, OKC, a game in which Portland led by as many as, I believe, 20 points in that first half. They then lose to the Los Angeles Lakers without LeBron James, uh, 99-94. to That would turn out to be uh, Norman Powell and Robert Covington's final game as a member of the Portland Trailblazers. Portland then had a, a home and, excuse me, a back-to-back uh, Friday and Saturday, losing again to the Thunder, 96-93, and then Giannis, Drew, and Chris 
really had their way with the Blazers as the Milwaukee Bucks dominated start to finish 137 to 108. Sage, the Trailblazers right now are 21 and 33, finally out of that play-in spot. They are a half a game behind the Pelicans for 10th. And even better, the Spurs are the Spurs are only a game behind Portland and the Sacramento Kings are one and a half games behind the Blazers. So what what that means in terms of tank, trade, you name it, the tankathon standings currently has Portland eighth. And what that essentially means is if the draft lottery were to be held today, Portland would have a 26.3% chance at a top four pick, a 6% chance at the number one overall pick. And why these uh, standings, which are so razor thin, uh, matter so much is just just yesterday, New Orleans was ahead of Portland in these standings. There's, there's a 6% jump basically mm-hmm. almost every time you want to you move up in in those those tankathon standings basically to get a top four pick and we've been doing a lot of future Fridays watching a lot of college basketball scouting prospects there's you know seven eight prospects you know we are really enjoying so if you can get into that seven eight range good things can happen longtime fans of the team know Portland was in this range in 2007 when they won that draft lottery so it can happen. Fans also remember in 2006, the Blazers had the best overall odds and dropped four to fourth. So it is a little bit of a crapshoot. There's no real safe spot to be, but the more chances you give yourself, uh, the, the better the odds that that you have. So Sage, with all of that said, that, that was a lot to take in from the, the four losses, the two losses to the Thunder, the, the trade, the, the tankathon standings. What was your good for the week? Um, I felt like we've always been playing like both sides of the fence, whether to tank or to try hard. And that's been a thing for us for a long time. We didn't really take a step forward or back regarding like what happens with this team. Now we finally did. We took a step, you know, it, it isn't the trade package that I wanted and dreamed of when I was, sleeping but it was a trade package with some assets and some you know savings so we finally made the step that was needed and that was the first of many steps for this proper sustainable rebuild and if i took yours i apologize um but yeah we made the first step there's prospects in this draft we made our draft pick a lot better by making this team worse as well but we took a step and you know it's time to you know, everything has been sunk cost. You know, the, the the Norman Powell, the Robert Covington, the Larry Nance, all sunk costs. We're never going to get that those draft assets back because they're actual players now. So taking an actual real step to decide what happens. And, like you know, the, there's, there's intrigue now because we don't know exactly what's going to happen. If we kept this exact team together, well, actually, it, it would be different because we're worse, but like we know what's going to happen with this cast of characters now that there's options. It, it, it's changed and it needs to be changed. So that's that's my good for the week. Yeah, I think my good for the week is the Blazers went 0-4 with two losses to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like, If you would have told me we would have just lost once to the Thunder, I would have been over the moon. Like, You see the schedule coming up. And 
you're like, oh, those are two easy wins. Portland's going to, you know, add to their total. And if you want to make the playoffs, I know you're probably, you know, hitting pause or fast forwarding through this section. But as you uh, alluded to and touched on, the team's taking a major step back this year. There, there is really no reason to to win to win a game, and it, it's it's shitty that that's how the system is is set up. But so that's the system that we have. To, that, that those are the rules that we have to play by. That this is the most effective way of of team building, getting a and, top six player. And, and I would say that I am for a good. I I am I'm excited. Um, you're right. It was not the trade package that, that I dreamed of. I think Portland could have and should have gotten more. However, it's better than still having four years of Norman Powell left on the books in in this type of situation. Norman Powell is a good player, but not for where Portland is uh, situated currently. He's good. He's going to be good for the Clippers. He had 28 in his debut. He's going to help a winning organization. Portland is not a winning organization. Um, Robert Covington, we were not going to bring him back. He probably didn't want to come back. You have to get some ounce of value in, in terms of, of Covington. And when you, you talked about it, Sage, it's a sunk cost. It's just like if you're really into cars and you go out there and, and you kind of customize your car, you put, maybe you lift it, put some you know new tires and rims and customize it to your liking. When you go to sell that car to move on, somebody's may- maybe doesn't like those features that you put on it. You're not going to get that money back that you put into it. So you have to kind of just decide, okay, it's time to move on. Yeah, it's time to move on. And I'm willing to accept this return for it. You can never look and see, oh, well, I paid, you know, two first round picks for Covington in, in 2020. I should get two first round picks for it, for him now. That's not how it works. Portland paid top, top, top of the market for Robert Covington. Like we bought at the top of the market for that. His value peaked almost instantly. I think a lot of uh, GMs around the league and a lot of pundits were like, yeah, that was a good move at the time. But I think Portland probably overpaid a little bit. Neil Shea was willing to take a swing like that at that time. You can't go back in time and then just suddenly fix it or just feel like you're entitled to that, that similar return. Uh, you win some, you lose some like ever for everyone who really loves the Gerald Wallace for Damian Lillard trade. You kind of have to, there's this, yeah, there's this, like no franchise is ever hitting triple sevens every time they make a trade. It just does not happen. And I would say another good for me is I'm excited to see what Keon Johnson can bring. I think this is the situation that he needs to, to be in. Um, there's a lot of people who are probably down on him saying, oh, the Clippers are so injury riddled. Why isn't he playing? There's a second round pick in Brandon Boston Jr. Who's playing ahead of him. But that was a blue tip ship ass talent. Yes. But I would also say everything I've read about Keon Johnson pre-draft, extremely raw, long-term prospect. Ceiling is through the roof. You have to give him time. He needs to play. He needs mm-hmm. to get an NBA rhythm. He needs to get a familiarity. Like he needs to go out there and, and screw up for 35 minutes a night and not worry about getting taken out. Yeah, Clippers That's- are trying to win a chip. Like they had Paul George. That like they they're trying to win. You're not going to give a guy who's raw like sushi time when you're trying to actually win a game. So I I think it's 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 a good that this is a good it is a good situation for Keon Johnson. 
is he going to be Noah Von Ley or is he, you know, going to be Rashid Wallace? Like we, we don't know, but it's it leads that- to uh, other branches it, that, that it just leads to other things that can potentially happen. Yeah. We're he probably was- going to suck this year, but that we're not sucking forever. Hopefully that's not the plan. I mean, like, and just think this weekend, you and I watched games like six, six college teams. We were able to scout them and like, there's players in this draft class that can help. If we have a top six pick, we're getting a game changer. Like, who are your who are your top four right now in the draft? Jabari Smith, power forward from Auburn. Those who have listened to the Future Friday, I his ceiling to me is Kevin Garnett with a three-point jump shot. I mean, an elite level player on both ends of the floor. Number two, Chet Holmgren. Uh, a unicorn of of a player. You could play him three through five. I mean, just depending on the matchup, seven feet tall, can handle the ball, can defend like none other, uh, has three-point range. I watched a two-minute sequence on Thursday. I was watching the Oregon Ducks beat the Colorado Buffaloes in Boulder for the first time in, in school history. Yet when I looked ahead, looked up to my TV and I saw uh, Chet was was blocking a shot, taking it coast to coast and pulling up for three and then basically reciprocating that three or four more times over the over a two minute sequence. You just stop and stare like th- this. This guy is is the real deal. And when he you shouldn't be at, able to physically do what he just he shouldn't yeah. be able to do. It. And when I think why I'm falling more in love with him as a prospect is you talk you hear about the potential and the, the talent but rarely does it show up in games. He's, he's doing it in games. It, it's there in a non-optimized um, situation for him. He's, he's taking touches yeah. away from arguably the best player in college basketball and Drew Timmy. Like yeah. he's, he's, he's that much of a, of a gravity. Um, he has that, that much gravita. Number three, I probably have Jaden Ivy from Purdue. Another player who really, when you look, it looks like sometimes John Morant, Dwayne Wade, the way he just kind of, that that elusive first step and just finishes up at the hoop uh, a box score stuffer um basically helped him fend off uh michigan at the end and number four i've got johnny davis from from wisconsin uh, a big guard who reminds me a lot of clay thompson um the the prospects are fantastic and we're not even mentioning uh paolo banchero 610 who can get buckets he was a real non-factor in Duke's North Carolina matchup. Yeah, help the, who, who was the factor? AJ Griffith, another five-star oh freshman. Yeah, so... I mean, so how, how does... Uh, I guess we're just going to talk draft for a little bit. How does AJ Griffin and Paolo get to the top four for you? Because in mine, Paolo's in it and uh, Johnny Davis is out. But how would uh, Paolo and then the guy that we're going to talk about eventually, AJ Griffin, get to the top four? Well, the top three are cemented. I, I don't see anybody sur- surpassing... Uh, Jabari, Chet, or, or Jaden. Yeah, I th- I'm. I'm really just talking about that fourth spot. Um, I would just. I think progression throughout the rest of the season. I think both Duke and Wisconsin are going to have some big games. Um, th- there's red flags f- for both players. I mean, Johnny doesn't play with a great Wisconsin team, and he was held in check against Penn State. I think he had a season low four points. Um, Banchero was taken out of a game by a a Keon Johnson type of defender. If you want to kind of make that, that comparison, leaky black, uh, a smaller, but stout uh, player uh, for North Carolina likes to play physical. Um, Paolo had a little bit of trouble with that. So if he's matched up with another uh, 
physical defender, how does he react? Does he adapt? That that would help him rise. But if he's a player like a LaMarcus Aldridge, who is always going to struggle when, when teams like to get physical with him, you know, I think I've seen that movie one too many times. So I would, you know, keep him where, where he's at on my board. So it's just really scouting them at the beginning of the year where I'm watching them now. And where, where do they look at at the end of the year? Have I seen progression? And that's really what has Chet Holmgren rising up my board with, you know, a lot of certainty is I'm seeing the progression, like from what I saw against UCLA to what I'm seeing now, um, almost night, it's night and day. He's, he's, he's coming of age. And I think that's a very encouraging sign. If you are looking at having a pick in, in the top three, which Portland could Could. land. Mm -hmm. So for AJ Griffin, cause I, I, I'm, I'm decidedly higher on him than most people though for him to get into the top four, there has to just be a playmaking upside that I just have not seen. He is not one of those guys that you give the ball to and have him ISO at the top of the key or, or make like plus, plus, plus passes. So it's kind of like the same thing with Jaden Ivey, like with the play, if he can show us that playmaking upside, he rises up the board. Jaden's actually had a much bigger like showing of his actual skill set as a playmaker than uh, AJ. But I mean, AJ's had a very weird circumstances coming to him from uh, the COVID, uh, the COVID season and, you know, spraining his knee at Duke. So I get it. But uh, there, I, I think that there are, if we can get into the top six, or seven, if somebody falls in love with Duran, we're in a really good place with this draft. Absolutely. And I think you probably can hear it in our voice compared to other episodes. There's there's an intrigue. I think there's an excitement. Like, yeah, the current team sucks, but I don't think hardly the majority of the players on the current team, they're not going to be with this team when, when they're good. Like, in a way, you just kind of have to say that the team You just is, have to grin and bear what's happening in front of yep, you. It's, you know, you've got 28 more games of this. Hopefully you can kind of, you can just simulate to the end and, and get to the end of the season. And then Portland is, is staring at hopefully a really good draft pick. But as I mentioned on, on the trade podcast, the hardest season is the first season when you're really bad because you don't have that, that shining star, that rookie to really, you know, put, put your hat on because, I remember when we uh, were really bad and we drafted Sebastian Telfair, I would drive up like 10 times from Albany and, you know, get buy cheap tickets and sneak down and just watch Telfair. Like I had a hope that Telfair was going to be like that next great point guard. And then we drafted Martel Webster and I was like, okay, can they be the backcourt of the future? Did it turn out that way? No, but I knew the path that the team prior to them was heading down. It, you know, it was a veteran team that had, you know, kind of crumbled after losing to the Lakers in 2000. And it was a slow, you know, tedious process that got them to where they were in rock bottom. But I had a hope and I had a sense of, you know, intrigue, like, could these players really be, you know, the next in line? And I think that's what was so intriguing about the rise with us Blazers with Brandon and LaMarcus. And, you know, you had Travis Outlaw in there and, you know, Martell was a part of that, that run as well. I, I would say when somebody asks me what is like the most exciting moment that I've had as a Blazer fan, yes, I was alive and can remember some of the early 90s teams. It's probably a tie between 
winning game six against the Lakers because I knew we were forcing a game seven or winning that draft lottery. Yes, it did not, it did not go our way, but the elation that I had, like I watched it with Olga, Matt came over, we had like a barbecue and like, we could not contain ourselves. My parents thought we were going to come through the roof because we were upstairs. There is just a joy that I think fresh air comes with, you know, it's almost like you're, you're, you're rehatching, you're, you're rebirthing your franchise. John Mark Clark has a video of me acting a fool in 2012 for the Anthony Davis lottery. So I, I get, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, there's just, there's hope. And I think prior to, it's been a long time since I think a lot of people have had hope. I know people may have had hope about this team um, running it back. I personally haven't. So to see the direction that they're choosing is is good, in my opinion. Now, I hope they don't sell it for a short-term gain. I think once you commit to something, you have to see it through. And, you know, I, I would just, I, I would just say, like, if you're not contending, how are you getting better? Like, and I think the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting, you know, uh, the same result. And if you're not getting that, and I think that's what they were doing probably the last four or five years with Neil Olshay. And they're finally starting to, you know, you got to tear it down. So I'm, I'm excited that they, they made that choice. I'm excited to see Keon Johnson. I'm not expecting him to be good this year. Probably not good next year either. It, when they say long-term prospect, that 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 takes some time. Uh, I know CJ McCollum. I was sitting on press row for every game that he got to play in um, his rookie year at home. Did not look like an NBA player. Bottom line. Then he got hurt. However, he stuck with it. He finally got his chance the, at the tail end of his sophomore campaign, and then he kind of took it off and ran. And that was a four-year prospect from Lehigh who was considered NBA ready. Like. Players like Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Damian Lillard, they, they're they rare for a reason. Giannis took such a long time to – he was a long-term prospect. And, and look at the, the, you know, the dividends that that's paid. So, you know, I know Blazer fans have been patient. I would just preach patience again with, with Keon. Like, don't expect too much. Just expect him to play hard. That's what the scouting report says, and that's all that I will be hoping for because then I think once he gets confident – then you're going to start to see him open up a little bit more of his skill set because it all starts with, you know, feeling like you belong, like you're in the league now. And that's, I think, what separates the, the, the players who get that second and third contract from the ones that are kind of out of the league after their first. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, I think we all could admit that we'd rather see Keon Johnson than uh, Tony Snell. Like we know what Tony Snell is. We've known what Tony Snell was for a long time. At least there's, there's that chance that he is a starting caliber player. We know that Tony Snell shouldn't be. He's started for his last few games, but he shouldn't be a starter. He should be a, uh, a rotation guy off the bench. But, you know, at least Keon has that chance of being starter level or above. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things, man. Um, I don't I can't decide between bad and uh ugly because it was both bad and ugly but i've watched i've watched both i've watched every single game this week i 
I have been laughing my ass off at how bad we are. Like, um, teams don't respect anybody not named Yusuf Nurkic, CJ McCollum, or Anthony Simons. And so when, let's just say, one of them is in, they're getting double teamed every possession. Every single possession, they're getting double teamed. So if they drive to the lane, it's a triple team. If When I see play, people say, like, is CJ McCollum even there? He's seven for 18. Yeah, he's there. He's trying to attempt shots, but no one respects anybody else on the floor. The gravity is awful. It looks like they're just playing 1960s defense because they don't respect anybody else from the three. It's hilariously bad. So every uh, every potential offensive rebound that Yusuf tries to get, he's fighting four people. So the, So like if Ant shoots it, Everybody's crashing except the guy that's defending Ant. We are going to be an atrociously bad defense and an atrociously bad offense because there's nobody that we respect. So I I can't imagine seeing the lineup of Dennis Smith Jr., uh, Keon, Justice, Watford, <laughs> Watford and fucking uh, Greg Brown. There's no shooters. Like we are the we we have so many non-shooters that are healthy enough to play, so we're playing them. But like we're gonna bring basketball back to the 1990s, but we don't have any of those players that made the 90s great. Our spacing is bad and ugly. Like I feel like this the Blazers team right now is. What happens when uh, Eminem and Royce to five nine said this is what happens when bad meets evil like this? The, 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 our offense and defense is just so so poor. I would say my bad ties back to the trade and not getting a first round pick. We saw Karis Levert was moved from the Indiana Pacers to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and, and you know that they got Ricky Rubio's expiring contract. They got Cleveland's first round pick this year. And they got, I believe, two second round picks, one being Houston's second round pick, which is essentially a first round pick. Yes. Um, compared to what Portland was able to move with, with the Clippers, uh, it was a bit disheartening to see that um, there have been talks that Norman Powell's extra length on his contract was maybe more of a hindrance than maybe we were led to believe. It, it's really all hearsay, though, because we're, we're not on the. We're not. We there. don't know who's. We don't know what was offered for uh, Norman and Robert. What if that was the best offer that we can get? That then that is like we have we have to take it because I'm not trying to see what happens with Robert Covington in the future. Like we made a decision. Let's stick with it. Like it, it is what it is, man. The, the, the league has said that this is an official trade, Robert and Norm played today. And you know, what's going to suck is there's going to be some media media pieces written about Norman Powell and Robert Covington being like the missing pieces. Those players were not going to be what they are on the Clippers on the Blazers in this scenario, because with their winning games, they're trying to make it to the playoffs. They're not trying to tank for a draft pick. So those players that are in uh, Los Angeles right now would never be the, in Portland because that's not the goal. Like, and, and they both are like inspired players. They were never inspired players. They didn't have the leash that they did. You know, you saw Norman Powell like playmake 
for the Clippers. We, we wasn't allowed to do that here. So those players that are playing on in Los Angeles never would have done that in Portland because of many different reasons. Yeah, Robert Covington was brought in to basically be the savior of a terrible Blazer defense with three small guards where he'll probably, when, when healthy with, against the Clippers, have two of the best perimeter defenders. Yeah, he, does, he just is playing team defense and chilling. Like, Norman, Norman had to be point-of-attack defender in the last, like, 10 games. You're not doing that with guys like... Kawhi, Paul George, and Nico Batum. Like you, he doesn't need to do it. So the 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 responsibility is lessened so that they can be where they are were designed to be in the role, like the res- responsibility of their role. So I, I'm very happy for those guys. I hope that they can compete in the championship for a championship because it it sure as hell wasn't happening here with this year. Yeah, I think I would agree. I don't think there's really anything ugly uh, about this week. I think Portland... Except the play on the court, bro. <laughs> and I, honestly, right now, you want it to be ugly. You need those losses. You need to just move on. Like, no, the, the great thing about a shitty season, Sage, nobody remembers them down the line. Like, I, I don't remember when the Blazers in 2004, 2005, I don't remember any games like that. I just remember Sebastian Telfair was on the team and they ended up getting the third pick in the draft the following year. Like you don't remember that you remember the good times. So just let it find, find another hobby. Maybe just watch the games for the hell of it. I, I don't know, but like it, it, it doesn't matter this year. Like just. I'm, take- I'm looking for the five non shooters lineup. I think we get it. I think we get it more than I would have liked just, to just admit. Watch for the dunks. You know, Greg <laughs> Brown had a fantastic dunk um, on, on OKC. Nurk packed it on Giannis. Um, just watch for the highlights. Hopefully Keon can, can do something really cool. I mean, even though it didn't work, uh, that was a really great play at the end of the OKC game to get an, an open look, like just watch for the, the highlights. Like I, I really don't think the score should indicate your entertainment value when it comes to this team right now. <laughs> yeah. It's just the quality of ball levels. It's rough for your boy, bro. Like I, like I get triggered watching the blazers because like, if you ever solo queue in NBA 2K and rec, this is how the Blazers are getting treated. Like it's a rec game. And like th- th- there is no structure to the other team's defense. It's oh, these two players can beat you. Don't let them beat you. Let these three bums or, you know, whatever beat you. If, if like, if Dennis Smith jr. It's five threes in a game and we win salute to you. I did not think it was possible. I mean, yo, come on. <laughs> I just thought, is there, do we have, is there in the league a worse shooting backcourt off the bench from Keon, Eric Bledsoe, and DJ, DSJ? Like that, that's special in terms of lack of spacing. I mean, yo, like I, I feel like I don't need to watch the games. I can just tweet randomly, look at the spacing, and I'll probably be right. <laughs> so you, you brought up a point about how Portland is moving off of their their veterans and there have clearly been injuries throughout the season but recently uh Anthony's uh efficiency has uh deteriorated quite a bit and he already doesn't get to the the free throw line it's something that that we touched on it's gonna get even worse so yet you you've kind of talked about that how has he adapted or has he to the being basically he has the target like everyone knows okay we have to stop ant 
Like he is the number one, probably on the scouting report right now. How is he, how is he growing from that? Is it just maybe this is an opportunity for him the rest of the season or is, should we expect more growing pains right now? I I expect the efficiency of Ant and CJ to go down to the basement. I mean, it's just about the talent that's on the court with them at the given time. Like what is the best possible lineup that the Blazers can provide right this second? Ant, CJ, Larry Nance, Yusuf Nurkic, and like the three? Tony, Tony Snell. Okay. I don't have to guard three players. <laughs> I don't have to. If Tony Snell beats us, Tony Snell beats us. It doesn't like because of the lack of talent on the Blazers. The, the, the focus of the defense is on Ant and CJ. So they're going to shoot more and miss more because of the, the attention that they get. And I, I, I usually listen to music during games, but <clears throat> for whatever reason, I wasn't. And uh, Lamar was trying to talk about the spacing. And he was like, well, it's obvious that they don't respect Dennis and they don't respect <laughs> Tony Snell and they don't respect Greg Brown. So they're putting all of their attention on CJ. And it's just like that. That is how teams are going to play us is they just don't want to let CJ or Amp beat them. Like if they're trying to win the game, let let Tony Snell take 10 shots. Let Dennis Smith take 10 shots. Like the, <clears throat> because of who we have, like it's just going to be the biggest pain in the ass for either one of them to get loose. Like even in that game winning shot that Ant attempted to try, there was one person by his feet the entire time. So, I mean, it, it's just about like, know your personnel. If you know the blazer personnel, why guard Larry Nance? He's, he shoots, I don't know what he shoots, but it's like, it's less than 35. You're going to let him shoot threes. So, yeah, I, I think that every single good player's numbers will go down immensely because of the lack of talent. So, do you think the Blazers have another move? Yeah, have to, have to. yeah, I mean, I don't I don't imagine Larry Nance playing on this team again, to be completely honest. Like, if maybe he plays to prove that he can run and stuff, but like I, I think the Blazers have to make another move. They 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 lost so much talent. Why not lose more of that? you know, might spike an upside and we lose or we win. But but I guess it's losing if you're tanking. But like, I'd imagine the Blazers absolutely make another move in the next, in the next five days. If you were the GM, what players would you look to move on the roster and what type of packages are you, are you looking for in return? I'm willing to trade everybody um, outside of Damian Lillard just because he's hurt. And you're not going to get as much. So the, the I, think I want the, draft picks and draft capital and space. I think that the big names for Portland, if they were to be moved, would Yusuf Nurkic. His name is has surfaced with a team like the the Toronto Raptors. We all know he is an unrestricted free agent. I believe he was quoted at the end of the um, Milwaukee game, basically saying like. I don't know what direction we're going in, but as long as we have Damian Lillard, I know we're committed to winning. I think he's going to resign in Portland regardless, as long as Damian's here, he has that relationship with him. Um, so I, I, I'm not concerned about Portland losing Nurk for nothing, but it comes down to, do you want to sign Nurkic for maybe what he is? He's asking for. Um, I think if Portland could get 
you know, a matching expiring contract and a first round pick, I think you, you do that deal, right, Sage? Yeah, like it, it, Goron. Um, Crusher's a Chua and a first round pick. And I, I <clears throat> to be honest, I don't really want Precious, but I'll take Precious if it, you know, if it's one extra young guy. But yeah, I, I think if we were, if you were making other trades, it has to be for first round capital because we don't have, like, I would like to have two first round picks this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think the conundrum with Yusuf Nurkic, and I think why maybe he's a polarizing player in terms of whether fans want to continue uh, with him. People are going to hate Yusuf by the end of this year. It's, I think it's because you see how fantastic he can be, but also maybe he's just a very a peak and valley type of player. And it seems like for him to hit his peak, he has to be prominently featured. And is he good enough, Sage, to be featured as the one or two option when you when you're gonna have Dame, when you're gonna have Ant, when you're gonna have additional players on that roster? I think that's where you really start to dive into the weeds of this roster. And it's not just surface level saying, "Oh yeah, Nurk can do X, Y, and Z." It's now, well, Nurk can do X, Y, and Z if he is fed the ball this many times. Like, it's not just like, oh, we can go to Nurk whenever, and then he's going to be engaged. He is a player who is built on rhythm, who really needs to be engaged and, and fed the ball early and often. Like, he wants to feel like he's part of something, and I think that's fine. That's human nature. But as we were discussing in the Future Fridays with, with Johnny Davis, players who can impact the game without the ball in their hands so rare. And that's why it's so important because there's five guys on the court, one basketball. You need to have everyone who knows how to, to operate. And, you know, we've had Nurk since the, the deadline in 2017. So it's been about five years. I don't know if Nurk is going to philosophically change as a player. He is who he is as a player. I mean, if it was me and I'm taking like emotion and like, what I feel for use of this year, I'm trading him today. I'm trading him tomorrow. I don't want him sitting on the court. He is not going to have a good game for, I would guess that he won't hit his ceiling once for the rest of this year. There's just no way in my mind that he can be effective as a center with the players around him. It's just, I, I think it's literally impossible like you have to play your best possible lineup, Nick Nurse level minutes, for him to for him to get the optimal rate that he he needs to for him to hit, hit value. There's no way that, that that happens, especially when you have Trendon and uh, Trendon and uh, Greg. There's no way you're playing use of 40 minutes in a, a meaningless game. So if <clears throat> in my mind he hasn't hit his he won't hit his ceiling for the rest of the year his value is going down and if you are trying to trade someone why would you trade him at his all-time floor so i would trade him today if that was the goal he he's gone because he's not going to be the use of nurkic you saw in the uh when he was at his peak this year there's just no way the the talent surrounding yusuf is just so bad that He's not hitting his, he's not going to hit it. So if the goal is to get something for him, you trade him tomorrow. If you're trying to like, you know, sign him, I wouldn't even try and play him because he's not going to do well. So honestly, I, I, if it was me, he's gone. Or we 
we do a handshake deal about signing him to an extension. Like this year is not a good year for Yusuf Durkic with the talent pool around him. I think the other name that would be probably a blockbuster from Portland's point of view would be moving off of CJ McCollum's contract. And <clears throat> we were texting during the, the Milwaukee game and it's just like, CJ doesn't deserve this. Yeah, like, I, I I texted you who he's playing with, and I was like, oh, no, he and I was like, yeah, he he doesn't d- d- deserve that. Like he's he's done too much for the franchise, and he's he's not going to sit out games either. Um, I, I think the Norman Powell trade was, was a clear directive that the Blazers not only needed to get off Norman Powell, but they need to get off of CJ McCollum as well. They, they view Anthony extremely high and they haven't made any inclinations. They're going to move off of Damian Lillard either. And if, if I'm CJ, it's a, probably a little bit difficult because he knows he's maybe playing off the string here in Portland, but he is a new father. His wife is in Portland. Um, so it might be difficult. Actually, it would be difficult for him to be away from family for the rest of the season. But strictly from a basketball perspective, um, you would think that he would want to go somewhere where he can actually compete and play meaningful minutes um, with to be to be you know to not offend anyone to, with NBA talent. Like, yeah, the, we, yeah. I, th- I feel like I've been yelling. We don't have talent this entire this entire uh, podcast. We we just don't have talent. There's been that rumor about him going to Dallas, and I don't think we've ever discussed what we want from Dallas. Are there? I don't think we discussed on this podcast what we want from Dallas. So uh, pull up Dallas and let, let's talk about potential trades to for CJ McCollum to Dallas because we, we kind of talked about you know the base you know skeleton of what a New Orleans Pelicans trade would do. What are some uh, players that you want from Dallas? I have one guy that I would like because of his defensive and shooting capabilities. But it might not be the year for him, but Reggie Bullock is a guy that. Um, if you look at what the New York Knicks were last year, they were a good defensive team. It's because Reggie Bullock was a good uh, team defender and it made it so Nerland's Noel's and Mitchell Robinson's lives were easier. If we were going to, you know, go to Dallas, I would want Reggie Bullock. And I, I mean, I, I, my request is very little in, in terms of like talent and salary, but I would like it if we added Reggie Bullock to the deal. Yeah, Dallas just does not jump off the page to me as an ideal trade partner. Um, if they have a first round pick, I mean, everything really depends on the first round pick. But like Dallas, to me, it is not a, a good a good partner. Like you want not only for CJ, CJ's a top forty player in the league. You don't just want a first. Like this isn't Norm. No offense, to Norman Powell. This isn't just moving Norman Powell and, and getting you know a prospect or, or a pick. Like you're trading CJ. The, the three things you want to check off. Okay. You want to shed salary. You want a prospect and you want to pick. I don't see that with, with Dallas. If you, to answer your question though, I think if we do in my ideal scenario, you move Nurkic, I would add Dwight Powell to that um, trade because he is a bouncy big who can move well laterally. And I think he kind of fits in with what Portland wants to do. I've been a long proponent of Mason Plumley being a, a prototype center. Uh, that's all Portland really needs. And I think Twipe Powell gives you a little bit, uh, a more athletic version. Didn't he sign a rather big contract? Uh, no, he only has uh, one year left on his deal after this year for 11 million. Okay. Um, I don't, do you think if they want, went with 
CJ, they'd want Jalen Brunson. He's really you're gonna, to, you're gonna have to pay Jalen Brunson. Yeah. And Portland's already have that's that's the thing. Like they haven't decided what they're gonna do with Ant and Dame. They're gonna probably try and play them together, which is not going to work, but that is for another day, another discussion. So that's why it's hard because yeah, yeah Hardaway's hurt too. So it would be I like well, I wouldn't touch Hardaway's contract. But, I think it's fair, but they'd so it'd well, be like Josh off Green of Powell's contract for Tim Hardaway's contract. DFS Jalen Green, no, not Jalen, Josh Green. Again, Josh Green, yeah, he's their young prospect, and he is a shooting guard, which Portland just acquired in Keon Johnson. Isn't I, Josh a little taller? Six five. Oh, I thought he was six seven. Um, the thing about Dorian Finney-Smith is, if we were a piece away, absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah. But you're, you're, he's not helping this team. Yeah, he's too good to help a shitty team, and we're, we're not. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't see Portland being. So maybe it's a three-team trade where we get young players. They, you know, Dallas Josh gets six five, two hundred pounds, just just for the. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's tough. Uh, Dallas just doesn't have the right pieces for a young team like us, but it would probably have to be a, a three-teamer. Yeah. Um, I think New Orleans. You're probably not going to want CJ like you probably want to get another lottery pick but they seem hell-bent on on winning I think a team like New Orleans checks off those boxes they have expiring contracts in, in Sadoransky they have prospects in a Trey Murphy you have picks especially from that Lakers trade with Anthony Davis the Drew Holiday trade too absolutely so New Orleans checks off the, the every everything for, for me so if if I'm looking for something between now and noon on Thursday New Orleans is who I would have expected. Would you have liked the if the they uh, just absorbed Norman Powell with the uh, uh, Jonas Valanciunas exemption or the trade that we got currently? Uh, I take what you got currently just because you get Keon Johnson. Like he he was a basically a lottery talent. Like Portland doesn't have a lot of that, so when you can get it, you you take it. So. Um, it it is a bit of an unknown, but it's better than knowing that you don't have any 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 prospects. So, mm. um, and again, this is the type of season to play them. Um, ben Macklemore, I, I I honestly think I think he can I help a good team. I think he is going to get moved with, with the addition. The more I think about it, with the addition of Keon Johnson, and you already have CJ Ellaby, who they're going to try and give run to. Macklemore, he's he's really not necessary to play. So if you can get a second round pick for for Benny Mac, I think you do it. I think the player, honestly, that would um, maybe not surprise me, but just because he's been injured, is is Larry Nance. And to see, do you think Larry Nance and his playing style fits in with the Blazers long term? I don't know. You you can't do Yusuf and Hay. So if Yusuf's gone and we get someone who can shoot, sure. But I don't want to construct my team over around Larry Nance. Yeah, yeah. It's just not something that I'm willing to do. If the team was constructed already and Larry Nance was the piece you needed, sure. But I just don't see like us trying to optimize his performance because what's he really gonna do? What is his max? Like 15 points and 10 rebounds? Ooh, that's uh that's that's a ceiling know. game. That's a ceiling game. Yeah, that those aren't max averages. I, I do not see that. And it, he's about to turn 30 uh as well. So I he's are the not- Blazers playing tomorrow? Tuesday. 
fuck. Because I was going to look at his like what his ceiling performance was on this website, but it, it's only for the day of. And yeah, so, I, I mean, like, I, he can help a team. It's just not this team. Yeah, so I think, and I think you have to, to pay. But do you think they have to prove that he's healthy enough so he'll play like 20 minutes in a game just to show his knee's fine? I mean, any team is going to make him pass a physical. I, I feel like they've been extra. I mean, he's been out for over a month. I mean, I, I they, they even mentioned, like, somebody tweeted, Eric Bledsoe has literally never been on the Clippers injury report once this year, yet the moment he arrives in Portland, it's his Achilles. So th- there's definitely something going on in, in the Rose City when it comes to those injury reports. So it's, it's hard to take anything at face value, and I, I don't think we'll know anything until you know Thursday. So Portland really has, I think, four players to keep an eye on. McLemore, Nance, McCollum and Nurkic. And I think the goal for, you know, looking at the trade post-trade deadline, what, what did Joe Cronin accomplish? You know, he's already gotten to the luxury tax, you know, check that box off, got a young prospect, probably want one or two more of those. So, you know, partial, partial check draft capital that, that is a huge box that, that needs a big, beautiful check mark next to it. It's not there yet. So, um, I kind of want to see what else happens before judging everything or excuse me, before judging that first trade, because I think you need to look at the trades in totality. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you think that we see Yusuf Nurkic or CJ hit the floor in the next week? So what's really interesting about Portland's schedule is they only have two games until the trade deadline and they are both at home. Um, Tuesday and Wednesday, the Magic and the Lakers. I would assume, like a lot of uh, a lot of GMs, they have deals for you know from everything we've heard. You know, they're talking, they have them lined up. They tend to not play those players because they don't want to risk them getting hurt. Hell, we saw Harrison Barnes get traded from the Dallas Mavericks to the Sacramento Kings mid game because they they just that's when they agreed upon the trade and they said, okay, stop playing him you know, we are going to be completely, you know, risk adverse and we are not going to take a chance on, on him injuring himself. So it, I think, you know, your antennas need to be up. Like if, do we if see Nurk is out these games? Yeah. There's something happening. Deal Monday. Like yeah. I think that this Monday we might see something happen. Um, if, if Yusuf Nurkic gets traded, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to have like a hundred percent trend in Watford in my DFS lineups and I'm the most negative Blazers analysis guy on Trenton Wofford. He's going to be on 100% of my lineups. He's a free space if he plays against Orlando's bad team. Yeah, so it's just, I think Monday is a big day to look out for. And I would say probably Wednesday night um, leading up into Thursday, because it would be weird to, it'd be extremely risky, I think, to play players that you plan on Mm -hmm. Tuesday and then not playing them Wednesday. Um, So yeah, Monday and Wednesday night, uh, those would be the days to kind of keep your, your eyes peeled. But again, 3.30 injury report is a yeah. good thing to look at in these. In, any, anything um, can happen. Sage, what do the Blazers do with Eric Bledsoe? You know, I think that's probably a big question. Uh, among- can we trade him by himself? Yes, now? just by himself now. What is someone going to want Eric Bledsoe for at his current salary? 
Is the only team that's willing to take him OKC because they need to take on salary? OKC could. Um, and I, I personally wouldn't give them a second round pick to do it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, it's because he has that big ass salary. Like, he is not really valuable in this league. Like, he could help. He could help a playoff team that needs guard help. He absolutely could. But I don't know if teams are going to take on the salary for that when there's free agency, you know, like there's buyout candidate type of moves. Absolutely. Um, you know, before he got traded, I was like, oh, you know, Colin Saxon's out for the year. So it was Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio has a $17 million expiring deal. You know, that, that could make sense. We'll swap. We'll give you Eric Bledsoe, a healthy body that can help you compete. We'll just take the cap savings. We won't have to even guarantee Bledsoe's contract or even worry about the, you know, the $4 million non-guaranteed portion of it next year. But no, they moved uh, Rubio in that package for Karis LeVert. So that would be the only thing I could think of is if you look for a team that is probably trying to compete right now, needs some backcourt help, and they have a large expiring contract that they're maybe not able to move off of. That's one thing that, that I could think of that would be probably beneficial for both teams where the team that gets Eric Bledsoe basically pays $4 million to have him for the rest of the mm-hmm. year in, in advance in the playoffs. And then Portland basically gets an expiring contract, which would have made, I think that trade with the Clippers more um, salvageable. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, if, if they're out willing to do that, why wouldn't they do it initially to make it a three team? I, that's probably really complicated too. And when you get into discussions like that, maybe, maybe Joe Cronin just wanted to make sure he got that deal off. And um, I, I don't know, sometimes, you know, we've heard so many stories when you hear anecdotes of deals, maybe being agreed upon and saying, let me talk to my owner and the owner, saying no at the, at the, you know, 59th minute. So he probably thought this is the deal I want to do. Uh, let's not, you know, fuck it up. It is his first deal. So maybe he's not as comfortable playing, playing that waiting game. There's just so many factors to, to think of when it comes to um, a trade. Yeah. I mean, like there's, but there's $4 million of unevenness. We could have Utilize that $4 million. Well, they had to get under four. They needed to be four oh, million yeah. under. So they got under that. Yeah. That luxury tax. Ugh, it's not my money. I shouldn't care about that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's the worst thing in the world to have Eric Bledsoe mentor uh, Ant for the rest of the year. Like, Do you I, I think he's going to be happy doing that, though. He's really never would be happy doing it for $16 million a year. Sure. I mean, this is the same player that was just like, basically, get me the fuck out of Phoenix and went to Twitter and told everyone, get me the fuck out of Phoenix. I mean, what I mean, what what leverage does he have now if no one wants to trade a uh, an expiring for him? He, he has a leverage. Might exactly. as well. What motivation, what incentive, Sage, does he have to be a good mentor? That That's my counterpoint. But I mean, like the, 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 the blessing of a of a of a team for your narrative of get me the fuck out of here in Phoenix. Like, I think that he needs all of the, uh, the good press that he can possibly have. So if he's a good soldier and helps ant out, that's great. And he probably can get another deal, but I mean, I think, I don't I know. Eric think, was so mint, like, he's just so mid, it does not matter. Exactly. It, it doesn't, he has, he has no motivation either way. So that's what I'm saying. <clears> like in, in theory, yes, it would be great, but I was, I mean, for what think. he did, he helped Kyra. So maybe he does it with ant. I don't know. Yeah. Well, who, yeah, who's saying, the like, who's the active adult guard on this roster that can help Ant out? Eric Bledsoe has the best chance. Damian I don't know Lillard. if CJ is that dude. 
he's also so, competing with Ant for usage. Eric's just chilling. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I think he's, I think he could help us in that aspect. I don't want to see him on the court because then it could be the, 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 the bad shooters. What's up? The Eric Bledsoe show. Oh God. I am not a fan of seeing that. Yeah. I don't think anybody wants, wants that either. Um, any other thoughts before we wrap up our trade trade discussion? Um, I, I saw people like Justice Winslow. He made a few good plays. Do you, uh, looking NBA-wide, um, do you see Ben Simmons getting moved? If, if Philly is smart, they do some get something for him. Or do you think Daryl Morey and Joel Embiid are that petty where they're just like, no. You think yeah, they're that dumb? But that's like $30 million of non-usable player. Like during Embiid's peak season where he's probably the MVP. Yeah, like I think Tyrese Maxey's great. He's not good enough to lead them to a chip this year. And I don't think that Tyrese Maxey ever will be that great. So if you have somebody willing to trade you something relatively good for Ben Simmons, you just take the L. And, and let's be honest, the league is wide open. Mm-hmm. There's like six or seven teams. You're like, yeah, I could see, see, them, see them winning uh, the title. Um, Chicago, do you think they fill in that void for Pat, Pat Williams? Yeah, Larry Nance is great. I I think Larry Nance, like no bullshit. Like I think Larry Nance would help them out. Um, I mean, yeah, th- I mean, I, I think that we're gonna have a pretty busy deadline. Do you like the Karis Levert uh, signing or not sign, but trading? I love it for Indiana. Yeah, me too. Indiana finally is. And Indiana was a team that just never tanked. And now it's like, okay, we're finally tearing it down. Um, but also good for them. Like Victor Oladipo wanted out. They ended up sneaking in there and getting uh, Karis Silver in, in that trade. And they, they flip Karis for um, what could be a decent first round pick. Houston's first round pick that they save money. Um, I don't hate it for, for Cleveland. Uh, they certainly don't need another big man. <laughs> Big man, I mean, I I always like having first round talent. Um, I am always when when it comes to teams that are kind of playing above their heads. You look at the 15, 16 Blazers, the 13, 14 Suns, teams that are kind of outpacing where where they should be in in relative to, to the roster. I'm a little worried when I see teams make those trades. They didn't give up a lot, but that first round pick can be nice. And that Houston second round pick, because then they have to say, okay, how far do we realistically think we can go? Um, now, if they go to the conference finals, I think that the trade will. Yeah, then, yeah we can shut the fuck up immediately. We, about yes. That. But then it's like, okay, is this really signaling the end of, of Colin Sexton in Cleveland? I mean, maybe that was already the case, but you're not going to have Sexton, Garland, and, and Levert. Um, do you think Levert's a good basketball player? This, I mean, this version of Karis Levert. I don't know. I don't know if he's the player. Do you think he's that much better than Norman? No, I think Norman Powell is a better basketball player, but maybe they were gun shy of uh, the, Powell's. The, the extended salary. Yeah, because I, I, I think that they are on the same tier, and I would prefer Norman. Like, Karis Levert is going to get you buckets and literally nothing else. So, 
Somebody mentioned, I think it was on, I think it was on Twitter that Levert's contract lines up with Kevin Love so they could essentially have that salary off the books as soon as their young, young uh, players so are ready to money. get yeah, Garland, Mobley, all, all of those players that, you know, they already paid a ton for Jared Allen, paid a ton for Lowry Markkinen. So, you know, the salary cap is is there yeah. for a reason. So. Yeah, I think regardless of salary, I think Norman's better, but like, I, I don't know Cleveland's financial. I, I'm not I'm not good on Cleveland's financial health right now. No, but like, if yeah. Cleveland was able to get like Dorian Finney-Smith, that would have been a better move. But I, I heard, you know, Dallas probably rightfully so, not in the not in the mood to trade DFS. Greatest uh, nickname, at least for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I've wanted Karis Levert to be good. I've wasted a lot of money on him, thinking that he was going to be good because he's in a plus plus matchup. But he didn't do it. And then when he does do it, I don't believe in him. Um, do you think Demonis and uh, Miles get traded? as well from uh, Indiana. It seems like they don't want to trade Malcolm Brogdon. And that's like the only guy really, which I guess he's good. If he's healthy, he's good. And Duarte. I don't think they'll trade Duarte either. Well, Um, if they're asking prices two first round picks, they're not going to get that from miles Turner, especially as he's injured. I mean, I think if any GM is worth their, their salt, they will look at what Portland paid for. I think at the time, Robert Covington was a similar player in terms of production or talent or perceived defense, whatever you want to call it, as Miles Turner. And the, when you trade two first-round picks, it's got to be for an all-star, not all-star caliber, an all-star player. Uh, he He's not that. He is a nice fourth or fifth best player in your starting lineup. If that's what they're asking, they're not going to get that. I thought it was an overpay when Chicago gave up two first round picks for Vucevic. Uh, so I was surprised they were able to get that from, from the bulls. So the, I don't, unless they come down on their asking price for Turner, he won't get moved. I probably am led to believe that they're asking the moon for Demonis, and rightfully so he's probably their best trade chip. So, and I don't really know if he, if, if there's any contender out there is like, yes, the bonus is, is putting us over the top. Like, it's not putting Milwaukee. You have to have top. such a good constructed already. It's not, not putting, I mean, Brooklyn and Milwaukee don't have the assets for it. Uh, Chicago doesn't really fit. Uh, so, the, I mean, you look out East, I, I don't think Miami has the assets to make it work. Um, West. M- Miami would be the team that could handle his deficiencies. Probably the they, best. But that they I'm gave thinking. up so much for uh, yeah. Kyle, Kyle Lowry. I mean, yeah. they, they don't really have anything left in the tank to yeah, it's, it's just one of those – you have to be a top-five defense and be willing to take on someone who can't – who ha- should play center but can't defend the, the hoop. I mean, if, if the Warriors wanted – the Warriors are probably the team that makes the most sense. If they wanted to say, here's Wiseman, you know, and Kaminga and, and matching salary, well, we'll go ahead and do it. That's the only really team out there that that has the capital. Offensively, that'd be sexy as hell. I just and don't you, know you about can do shit with Draymond though. I mean, he yeah. just makes makes the world easier for everyone. So, that's, but that's doesn't Draymond and Demonis do a lot of the same things offensively as like the the playmaking big? I think when you have a, a guard like Steph Curry who just makes shit around, so much easier. Yeah, it, it just it, it opens everything up. And Demonis, I think, can get his own more so than, than Draymond. 
but again, it's it's a tough player to to make work, and that you know we just you have to just have him and then construct around him. So like I did off a bunch of teams. Indiana failed to do that, so I don't think that they should get the moon for a failure. But I don't think he's going anywhere. I think Turner is. They, they 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 need to have a responsible rebuild. But if they were going to suck like this, why get Carlisle? I don't think he wants to chill for a rebuild. I mean, on paper, that's – you have Malcolm Brogdon. You have an NBA-ready rookie and Chris Duarte. You have Karis LeVert. You have Sabonis. You have Turner. On paper, you know, we, we've heard this a lot. That's a fifth – that could be like a fifth seat, right? That should be getting home court advantage in the Eastern Conference. Like, on paper, there's no reason the Miami Heat should be outperforming that team. But the Heat have a culture. They have, I think, a little bit better roster balance. And they kind of, they believe. They've been to the finals in 2020. Like, they, they, you know, we talk about the Clippers playing above their weight, punching above their weight when they're injured. It's because they, they believe they're playing for a purpose. When is the last time the Pacers have played for a purpose? It's, it's been probably since, you know, David West. Paul George and David West and yeah. Roy Hibbert. Like, it's it's been so long. So, it starts with culture and, and you know, that they probably, they would be smart just to kind of, I know Sabonis and Turner are, are younger players, but you're not going to just magically sign a free agent. That's going to be an alpha and a number one option. And then you can build around that player. You, you just have to realize we're not good enough and, and start over. Hmm. And if they, if they can do that now, they're at a much bigger advantage than against us. You know, like we've, 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 rode the wave for a long time yeah portland definitely did not subscribe to the buy low sell high notion that everyone really should should live by i mean if we're being honest portland if portland trades cj mccollum it's going to be almost on pennies on the dollar when if they would have moved him earlier you're going to get a much higher return so you know i know it's hard when people say like why did we trade this guy who's doing so well well, that that's why because you are. You imagine what could be. Yeah, you're forward thinking so enough to say this guy's playing well, but I don't know how he fits long term. Or you know, we just lost to the Warriors. You know, here's why that happened. How can we become better? Um, you know, it's it's always harder to trade somebody when they're playing well because that's where you imagine them. Mm-hmm, you know, like, mm-hmm. and that's how you think they're always going to be. Yeah, I remember the first week of cj mccollum on this team he was doing things i've never seen him do before and then he didn't do it because sean Phillips didn't do it but that is a that is for another day um do we have fan questions we do yeah and i think you'll like this one Um, this is from at gn stoymanov uh thank you georgie for this question says hi guys hope you're well and thanks for pushing on in what is a difficult season (laughs) that didn't feel good. <laughs> how do you like not doing or, well, Georgie? How do your respective Blazers top shot collections look like? What is your favorite oh, moment? Oh, oh. Does and, it have to be the Blazers? <sighs> uh, what is your favorite moment? And okay. do you think that in the future Blazer fans will unlock rewards from the team by the means of ownership? Good question. Let's start it off with the first part. What does your Blazer uh, top shot collection look like, Sage? Just Blazers. Right? Just Blazers? Yep. Okay. I have... um, Okay, I did not make a sale. I have a Series uh, 3 serial number 28 CJ McCollum listed for $100 if anybody wants it. That's a bargain at twice the price. Or 
1.5% times the price. It's a bargain, damn it. Then I have some Damian Lillard's. I have a Damian Lillard Series 1. And then I have um, an Anthony Simon Series 3, serial number 38, listed for $65. I think that's it. Oh, I might have a Nasir Little that I can't find. I mean, shout out to him for uh, knowing that my Top Shot tab was open currently. And then I have a, I have a Larry Nance Cleveland 68 serial, but he's on the team now, so I guess he is a blazer. But, um, yeah. But if anyone wants a Damian Lillard or a CJ or an Ant, that's a really nice serial number. Hit me up. The ones I, I used to have a bunch. Um, the ones I have currently, I have all Series 2. I have two Carmelos. One is when he uh, passed someone for top 10 on the all-time score. It was that four-point play that he had in Atlanta. So it's a cool moment um, I'm trying to keep for a while. Um, but my best moment is it does line up with it being a Blazer moment. I have Anthony Simons limited edition. I think it's to 12,000. Uh, it's really taken off as Ant has taken off. Last I looked before this podcast, the lowest ask is $52. I believe I purchased it for seven um, a while back. And I, I, like I told Sage, like, I'm just going to hold on to that. Like, it's my best moment. Let's just see where it, it can go. So I'm hoping Ant has a strong finish to the season. And hopefully that moment uh, continues to, to climb the charts. Um, Sage, what is your favorite moment that you have? Oh, my favorite moment has to be my series. Oh, no, my series two, serial number four. DeJounte Murray and uh I mean it's it's it's, first of all it's a dope moment but then I found that uh the DeJounte Murray moment that with that uh, low of a serial for a very cheap price in comparison to other series twos so I scooped it up um I scooped it up for $149 according to momentranks.com it's worth $727 so that's a pretty nice ROI so DeJounte Murray is my number one favorite. And then I kind of invested pretty highly in the Herb Jones market. So those would probably be my two favorite moments at the, at the moment. But I have a nice Devin Booker series, uh, series three, I think, serial number eight. And a Cole Anthony uh, serial 12. So I, I, was, I got the uh, nickname as the low serial bandit during the summer. So that's what I've been kind of trying to purchase. I would say my favorites, I went heavy on the WNBA release release when, when they came out. Um, it was a chance to get a lot of players, a lot of legends, first ever moments comes with that little badge, um, relatively uh, affordable and they boost your collector score uh, by at least 20. So my, my few of mine, uh, Brittany Griner, it's the only WNBA moment that I'm aware of where the player is dunking. So that's pretty rad. Uh, Candace Parker, uh, because the Chicago Sky won the, the championship, it comes with the championship trophy badge. It's also her first moment um, coming back to Chicago. So that's pretty, pretty incredible. Um, I also have a Sue Bird and a Diana Taurasi. Again, two, arguably two of the greatest women's basketball players of all time. So to have their first moment um, hopefully will be something that can, can hold, hold value over time. And then Jewel Lloyd um, guard for the, the Seattle storm. 
I watched that game where she had the, that crazy uh, buzzer beater over the Dallas wings that was crafted into a moment. So um, those are probably my favorites. I like to hold on to those and, and see, you know, how they're going to um, raise in value. I've noticed a lot of the, the series two NBA stuff went up in value as series three released. Um, so hopefully the same thing will happen with the WNBA moment. Season two will release series one will, will increase. I've already noticed an uptick and in interest in the WNBA market um, as free agency uh, news has, has been announced. So um, yeah, those, those are my favorite, but uh, the last question um, will the Blazers uh, unlock rewards from the team by means of ownership? I don't know, but it's a possibility. I mean, Top Shot is certified by the NBA and the Players Association. So I, I would assume that individual teams then have the ability to reach out and mm, work with that. Top that Shot. was what. Uh, so I don't know this for a fact, but the rumor on their Discord a while ago was if you complete the Blazers set, you know, you can get rewarded by the team so uh one of our good friends and uh, we did like a youtube video of him with him doing a pack opening uh Stu did a he completed the blazer set and it was relatively easy until he got to the uh mo williams portion of that set where he when you paid say like, that do you mean just each player or every moment every blazers moment because there's some that are like twenty thousand dollars yeah well the 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 uh the thing that stopped him the most was the Mo Williams. It's like worth a thousand dollars. So he 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 paid like I don't want to look at what his thing is, but he probably paid paid a grand for that Mo Williams to complete the set. So his his collector score is probably very high because of it. Wait, so he has all of every Damian Lillard moment. He at least has one Damian Lillard moment. Well, I thought you said you had. You get every you're talking about just each player's moment. I think I each want, player. Okay, I, yeah. Because yeah. there there are some like rare dames that are like uh let me look at this shit. I feel so weird doing it. <laughs> but yeah, he, he at least has one he has one player uh for the moment. So like uh, uh remember when they released those like 2006 cards? Yep. Yeah, you like they got like, you know, there there was a secondary Mo Williams in that. So for the Blazers thing or, you know, whatever. So I think that they're trying to release cheaper moments for other collectors. You know, a, a thing that was on their Discord was that Herb Jones was going to be a speed bump for challenges and for the play, the Pelicans thing. So that's why it was like such a hot commodity coming out of uh, the its release. Yeah, the Mo Williams run it back is out of 275 and is the lowest ask is seventeen hundred dollars. So, yeah, bro. Holy cow! Yeah, my, my boy has it. My boy has it. Yeah, like he and um another friend of the show, uh, Dark Moosey. I think both of them collected the Blazers thing, and I'm like, yo, you ain't gonna see me pay seventeen hundred dollars for a Mo Williams, bro. Too rich for my blood. Uh, Sage. I, I mean, my DeJounte is worth that much, but I ain't fucking, yo, I'm not paying that for Mo Williams. No. The Blazers <laughs> currently, as we mentioned, have two games left. Great question, by the way. I love talking top shot. The Blazers have two games before the deadline, and they also have a total of three games this week, which we will talk about all home games. Orlando on Tuesday, the Lakers on Wednesday, 
and the Knicks end their five-game road trip in Portland on Saturday. First, the Orlando Magic, the bottom feeders of the entire league, 12-43. and 43. Uh, They are just 7-23 and 23 on the road. A team Portland handled relatively easily in Orlando pretty recently. Sage, what are the Magic playing for? Uh, you talked to me earlier about them starting a really small center. Uh, that was what, the Pacers. That was, okay. The Pacers are playing like shit too. <laughs> I mean, is this going to be a shit fest? Like, uh, yeah, it okay is. It's going to be the biggest shit fest that you can possibly imagine. Is it what's What to watch for for Orlando? Cole Anthony. For for if he Kirk, plays Cole Kirk. Anthony, he's like their one good player. Like Jalen Suggs has had some ups and downs. Mo Bamba's had some ups well and downs. each other? What's up? Are, how are Suggs and Anthony playing well with one another? They both seem pretty similar. Yeah, they are, but I don't know, man. I feel like Jalen kind of just brings down Cole's ceiling because they are similar, but you you they used a lot of capital to get Jalen Suggs. So, you know, they, they need to play him just to at least get something. Like if Cole's the guy for, for them, they need to make Jalen good enough so that they can get a potential lottery pick in return for him, you know? So, I mean, it's their guards. I mean, Chumo Kiki's good. Friends Wagner's good, but they're not going to win you a game. Those are just like floor raisers, not ceiling raisers. So if you're looking about at the Orlando magic, it's going to be Cole Anthony versus Anthony Simons slash CJ McCollum. If he plays. And then following that up with the uh, next matchup against the Lakers, uh, this will be the fourth and final uh, Portland is one and two on the year against the Lakers. Uh, LeBron, AD, both will be back um, this time around. The Lakers handled Portland without LeBron uh, last week. LeBron will be back. Is it really just a matter of flipping a switch in Los Angeles, or are there real problems for this team? Could you imagine a worse fit of talent? Like Russ, LeBron trying to share the ball one and space the court two. Like if you were going to make that construction, wouldn't you want to have like, I know he's retired, but JJ Redick and like Kyle Corver, like you'd want spacer spacers. Who is their spacer Malik Monk who, and I think he's more of a scorer than a shooter. So it's like, who is their best shooter? Oh, uh-huh. Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. That, that's, that like, that's just a bad utilization of resources in my opinion i mean i'd want i'd want the court to be as spread as possible for anthony davis and lebron they won a championship spreading the court for those two dudes and this seems like a complete and utter like 180 of space and the last game of the week which could be the the most different depending on what moves Portland makes between now and Thursday. Uh, so it's really even hard to project. Oh yeah. That's what lineups could, could be out there, but uh, the Knicks will be in town for the, for their only matchup. They're two and eight in their last 10, definitely underwhelming in comparison to their surprising home court advantage uh, season last year. Sage, what I, I was a little surprised at how well the Knicks played last year. I never bought into the hype. Anytime Julius Randle is your best player, uh, I think you have long-term problems. I don't see stardom out of RJ Barrett. Uh, Kemba hasn't been a good fit. Obi Toppin really hasn't lived up to his, you know, lottery uh, selection. Cam Reddish was supposed to play a lot 
in a new yeah, like what? and he hasn't played sh- for shit last i mean i haven't researched in two days but he hasn't been part of that rotation at all i mean i like could you imagine a world where julius randall gets traded yes again i think rj barrett's the only safe player yes maybe Emmanuel quickly yeah but if they're like if they get like a big if they trade Julius and and somebody for a bigger, better player, I wouldn't be afraid of throwing in Emmanuel quickly because it's obvious to me that Tibbs doesn't value him as highly as he should. So, like, it, it's tough to project since this is the day, the day after the deadline. Like, everybody could be traded outside of R.J. Barrett and, I guess, Cam Reddish. So, the, the, like, this could be such a different game. But I would imagine that the Knicks are trying to win games. So, and we're not. So, obviously, whoever the star player is should dominate us. All right, Sage, I think that about wraps up this episode. Let our listeners know where to find us at. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, Dash Radio, Nothing But Net Radio, Tuesdays, two to three. Eat, uh, Pacific four to five Eastern, and we are out of here. We will be back next uh, Friday to talk about some draft player. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go. Let's go.